Guys, let me tell you about the ammo we've been shooting this year. It's called Migram Ammunitions, and let me tell you, I've never shot a more consistent load in my life. It is constantly smacking honkers and ducks out of the sky. Dude, my God. You know what I love, honestly, the most about ammunition is when it works. And, <laughs> dude, that's always been my biggest gripe, right? Like, yep. it's just, dude, just shoot out of the gun. Just shoot the shell. I've not had a single dud this year. Me neither. It's, I love that aspect of it. I just want to be able to trust my ammunition. So, hey, if you want to learn more about stacked load ammunition that me and Joey have been shooting all year, go to migraammunitions.com. One, let me, one, let me tell you. Yeah. That 2-4 load for the 20 gauge. Yep. Smoking honkers, dude. Hey, it's hard. I don't even want to shoot my 12 gauge. No, there's a, we have a reel on our Instagram of Joey shooting 2-4 stack 20 gauge Migra. Let's go check it out, guys. Go check I it can out. get used to this. Sorry, I moved too quick. Chasing at the blue, no counterfeit. Catch me on a wild like Donovan. I ain't no thug, but I move like Spider. Look before I light, not for a letter. You had a little flame, then you throw my lighter. Come and come back, now your shit won't light up. Whoa, whoa. What's it gonna take for you to ride on my skateboard? Bienvenidos a los mismos Flores Podcast. I am your host, Joey Basayo. And to my left, I have Carl Ness. And in front of me, we have Logan Pepster from CamoRetro.com. Logan, welcome, man. Hey, that's, I'm going to be honest. You should feel honored. That one was, that was he got up for that one, dude. Yeah. Yeah. He was running around the room. Oh, yeah. He actually kicked in the front door. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, it's the beer salt. Beer salt woke oh, me up. Oh, the beer salt. Did you try that? Yeah. It's gotcha. good. Yeah, I looked I at it, it last night and I was like, what the f? Yeah, no, last time I had it was at Wee Fest like 10 years ago. Yikes. It was Bring good. back some memories yeah, for you? Yeah, it really did. Yep. When I was in junior high, one guy swiped his dad's beer salt and brought it to school and he just thought he was the coolest <laughs> thing ever. <laughs> he was walking around like, you want yeah. some beer salt? <laughs> yeah. He had a little thing of beer salt with yeah. him yeah. in his front left pocket. Yeah. Had to. That's a badass kid right there. Oh, my God. It it's so almost cool. as badass as the kid who would put Sharpie on his arm and say that it was a real tattoo. Yeah. And mm. almost. The kid that would turn on the lighter and say, hey, I bet I can hold it over, <laughs> over you the know, flame longer than you. I always had respect for the kid with the Sharpie because that guy had to get up every day and draw the same thing on his fucking arm. Mm. I mean, think about the commitment, you know? Mm. Like, yeah. at that age, you're like, ah, fuck, man. You think by, like, day 40, he's like, God, I shouldn't have done this. What about henna tattoos? Yeah. What did about y'all ever? What about did y'all ever get a henna tattoo? No. I've never gotten one, but like I've seen a lot of people get them. I'm yeah. not an Indian bride, so yeah. no, I have not gotten a henna. You never. You have though. You never vacationed at the Gulf of Mexico. Uh, mm, no, nope. I did. Then I did. I, was I got the thing a for us teens to do. You had to be 14 to get a henna tattoo. Really? Yeah. They have an age limit in Mexico. There's no a chance minimum. that's real. No, no, I'm not talking about Mexico. I'm talking oh. about uh, Destin. Oh, in Florida. Oh, see, I was talking about Mexico. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you said, yeah, you said Gulf of Mexico thing in Florida. Yeah. He thing in Mexico. Mm -hmm. I uh, have seen a lot of people get them in Mexico, and there's no age limit there. There's no age limit for real tattoos, is there? In Mexico? Yeah. No. Yeah. I don't think so. So there might be just, there might be one like on paper somewhere, but yeah. it's it's not followed. Mm. I don't think there's a lot of age limits on mostly anything in Mexico. No, and that brings me to a great story. <clears throat> Please do tell. So I'm four years old in Cancun with my family, and my dad was drinking mudslides. Yeah, right by the pool. And for everyone listening, that's an alcoholic drink. 
And so I took a sip of my dad's drink without him seeing, and he goes, hey, you can't be drinking that. He's like, you can go to the poolside bar and get a Shirley Temple. I was like, cool. So I go there, and I start acting weird. A couple hours later, and my dad's like- All inclusive? Yeah. Yeah. And my dad's like, let me taste that. And I'd had like three Shirley Temples. Yeah. He tastes it, and he goes, oh my God, there's fucking vodka in this. So I'm just- (laughs) fucking torched at four years old apparently and i won a, a push-up contest near the pool torched at, yeah uh, four yeah. years old <laughs> oh, like, yeah. can he do it again folks can he do it again <laughs> uno dos tres cuatro did you win? what did you win uh i won like a more shirley temples <laughs> yeah more shirley <laughs> no, another one like a, another one from uh, me amigo it was like an alligator head like a taxidermy to alligator oh, head that's kind of it's pretty cool dude yeah. i remember being in mexico when i was like 16 and we would go up and just like order alcoholic drinks. Mm. Well, my mom went up there the first time with us and she obviously told the guy that we couldn't drink alcohol. Mm. And we were up there ordering and, you know, you'd order like your, I don't know, Kahlua, whatever, something or other. Daiquiri. Something. Yeah. yeah. And this guy, like, he was so funny, this bartender, he would like peer out and like look around to see if he could see my mom. <laughs> okay. Okay, I give you one. <laughs> so funny. It's hilarious. I just imagine Joey doing the push-up contest and having, you know, like the fruity cocktail down here. And just every time he's coming down on the push-up, the straw, just getting another. Oh, oh my yeah. God. I love Straight Mexico. Up. People are my favorite. Yeah, they get four-year-olds Just the best. Drunk. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> that's wild, man. Hey, you're very underage. Here yeah. you go. Yeah. That's wild. <laughs> and I just like up there by myself. I was like, can I have a showy tempo? He's like, sure. He had a hard time with ours. Yeah. Just gassed it up. No, I didn't. Just showy? gassed it up. Surely? Surely Temple? Showy uh, Temple? Literally. I'm going Literally. south of the border for the first time next month. I'm excited about we'll it. We'll see about that. You got a duck hunt down there it's or what? Happening. <laughs> uh, no, I'm going to a friend's 30th birthday party in Colombia. Nice. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's crazy. For yeah. Colombia is amazing. It's, yeah, he's going to Cartagena. Ooh. That place. Yeah. The itinerary is prepared. I I just have to buy a plane ticket and get there and everything's paid. I'm pretty sure cocaine capital of the world. I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure her dad was with the cartel at one point. Gotcha. Some affiliation per se. Confirm nor deny. Right, right. Cool. That's who's making your itinerary? The cartel? Mm -hmm. Well, we have security. We have like... (laughs) Yeah. No, they have to. Alyssa went to Cartagena for her honeymoon. Oh my God. Yeah, there's like... I'm pretty sure. We were we were told everything's taken care of, but um, you might tip the security guards. Let yeah. dope, dude. Well, well, that'll he, be a good time. Anyway, so. we're down here in Arkansas. We're talking like it's off season. Yeah, we are. Right? <laughs> we're down here in Arkansas at uh, Logan's little duck club down here. It's not little, and it has just been a fucking blast, dude. I've had so much fun the last two days, and finally shot some mallards in the timber today. It felt amazing, and then we did this uh, walk through Jurassic Park, and uh, what are they called? Palmettos? Palmettos. 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 Yeah. They, uh, they fix Palmetto. your prostate. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> Allegedly. You think that'll go through my waiters and fix me? You think that actually works? I don't know. I There's d- no proof that it works, right? I, I, y'all were the ones talking about it, you and Lester. No, was, yeah, Lester brought it up. Lester. I mean, he's a dentist. He would know, right? I don't know if that's in Arkansas. That's all the qualification you need. I mean, he he cuts my hair. He fixes my teeth. He, you know, dentist, yeah. dentist fills a lot of roles. Does most of your medical work. You drop off your truck for an oil change. He's like the... Takes care of. 
He's like the township shaman or what? Yeah. Yeah, basically. You just go see him, whatever. The big bayou here is named after him. Really? Yeah. Lester's bio? Uh, Bodark. Lester Sites. Third. DDS. Biometa. Wow. Interesting. That's crazy. That's a lot of names. A lot. Yeah, so many words you you'll just said. You'll probably see a sign on your, you'll definitely see a sign on your way out if you're going I-30 um, that points to it. Dude. But he was a Game and Fish commissioner, so that's. Oh, that's ah, right. I gotcha. Yeah. When you leave the commission, they name some something after you. But no. That's, cool. that's just great. And this is, you know, where I grew up duck hunting, and this is what duck hunting is to me. I mean, and this is a pretty good place to grow up Pretty good. Hunting. Not bad. Not bad at all, Not man. Bad. Uh and it sounded like you guys really had a great start to your year. Great start. So we caught that cold front. We had the coldest opening week that we've had in seven years. How cold was it? 20s. Because yeah. today it was 60, 62 right now? Oh, I don't even know. Yeah, 60s. it's like it's like 62, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but it was in the 20s, and we got a big push. I will say, though, those ducks, uh, the mallards, were pretty skittish right from the get, which we never have. And I think it was just birds that came down immediately that already had the pressure from because the opener and weekend opening weekend in Oklahoma was two weekends before. So those first, those were the most skittish first birds that we've ever gotten. But I mean, we had a ton of them and had a great time. Yeah. Um, so, but this year, uh, it's the best year we've had. In like 10 How many years. ducks you shoot this year? Out of our cabin air quotes. Yeah. Um, which would be, you know, two, three groups hunting a day. Uh, two, let's During say two, the week, too? People hunt Monday through the Friday? Week, yeah, yeah, yeah. So two and a half groups hunting a day per average. Uh, Over 1,200. Holy shit. Yeah. That is a lot of ducks to not be like a guide counting other people's birds, you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I hear a lot of guides be like, yeah, we shot 2,000 birds this year, and it's like a guide, you know, a business yeah. that has three or four groups going out every day. Lots of mallards this year. Lots of greenheads. Like disproportionately more greenheads. What do you do? You usually shoot a lot of greenheads. A lot of uh, a lot of mallards generally. Yeah, but yeah. Like I just more you'd have a, a group bag, of typically ten mallards come in. Eight of them are greenheads. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. You guys shoot gadwall in the timber. Oh yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Truly, that kind of like threw me off. I mean, honestly, like when you when I picture timber, just not being from uh, timber hunting you know, place, I guess. I don't really picture shooting fucking gadwall in the timber. Yeah. Well, never seen palmettos. No shit. They're, they're coming into, uh, gadwalls are prone to prostate problems. <laughs> I see. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Trying to clean that shit up, huh? <laughs> oh my God. So stupid. <laughs> so dumb. Dude, <laughs> they uh, fly really low uh, on purpose. Yeah, they're scraping <laughs> the palmettos <laughs> on the way through. Right on their nuts. <laughs> so fun. That's why they do it so well. Yeah, the, uh, I don't know why the women are doing the the female gadwalls are in here, but gadwall will make or break your mallards though, uh, especially this year. I've seen it more than ever. Have a group of mallards working, one gadwall just comes screaming, just straight lining through the hole. All those mallards will just follow it, or mallards circling gadwall dumps in, dumps, and those mallards say, "Hey, yeah." No, the mallards are the superior species, so they allow the gadwall to be the guinea pig for all issues. Yeah. Yeah, they're like, That's you true. go down there, yeah. you get your ass down there, you make sure. <laughs> we were talking about that yesterday when we were hunting, that uh, when I was guiding at Stewart Ranch, those gadwalls saved our every hunt. Yeah. Every yeah. hunt, dude, because yeah. mallards were just finicky and whatever. You'd shoot a couple, and then every group after that would just give you the middle finger. 
And then it's like, ah, oh, is are we gonna do well today? And then Gadwall. Like every Gadwall just gave it up. It was so nice. I loved it. He's like, not this year, man. Every Gadwall screwed us. Yeah, I was shocked. I really was. I was like, holy shit. They've pulled him they've pulled him away more than they've brought him in this year. Yeah, I will say. We we put Gadwall decoys out. That's how I was I was like Logan. Yeah. We you want to put the Gadwall decoys out there? He's like, oh yeah, fuck yeah. We killed For two sure. yesterday. Yeah, not in the timber. But, but yeah, not in timber. Um, yeah, it's crazy. The palmettas legitimately look like I told you like ten times this week, but I feel like I'm in Jurassic Park. Mm. Yeah, legitimately, it literally looks like Jurassic Park. It definitely has a Jurassic period feel to it. Hundred percent. Well, I was. Yeah. Uh, I mentioned him. I can't remember how it came up. I mentioned him to you or something. He said, "What? What is that?" And I said, "Think of like a palm tree flea, but in the ground. Just a palm tree flea growing out of the ground." I don't know if that was yeah. Accurate that was that was the day before we like went out to hunt the first day together. Yes. So it was the night we got here, and you were like, "Yeah, you're gonna see all these. The palmettas are just really pretty all over the place." And I was like, "What the fuck did you just say?" Mm. You're like palmetta. <laughs> oh boy. As a kid, I'd hear the palmettas referenced and i i mean i'm talking little kid and i thought people were saying paul's meadow hell yeah not yeah. palmetto so i thought like paul just owned a meadow it would always get referenced but not necessarily pointed <laughs> at so dumb kid stuff i'm not yeah, gonna lie that's awesome um pretty much everything anyone says down here i think they're saying something else <laughs> yeah that's actually the true accent, as well the accent is incredibly strong not you uh you I'm, are extremely literate well, I had to, uh, you know, I, I live in the northern part of the state, but I worked in Washington, D.C. for two years, and mm. I had to... You had to clean that shit up. Yeah. You just can't talk that slow. You just can't talk like this down, you know, up there. <laughs> yeah, you can't say, up there, up there. You know, yeah. you have to say there, up there. Up there? You have to say the word. Uh, going down up there. Going that's down how up people, there? That's how people talk. Yeah. My, be- my favorite is uh, um, all y'all. My favorite is oh, when people yeah. don't oh, say yeah. that. You know, they like run it through a sentence. They were up there and that. Nat and him. Nat and him. Yep. yep. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, it's wild. Uh, Louisiana's way worse, though. Oh, yeah. I find I mean, myself that's, saying That's a what? different language. Like, totally. Creole is its own language. Yeah. The This whole last week, I'm saying what? Way what? more than I should. Yeah. You know? Do what? <laughs> Do what? what? Everyone apparently people say that. But that's the thing. Yeah. Fucking everyone down here. I used to give Wade, I still give Wade so much shit because when he can't hear you, do what? Yeah. Do what? And then all of his friends were saying, I'm like, maybe they just took it from Wade. And then I get down here and you're saying, I'm like, good Lord. (laughs) Yeah. Because the funny part is I'll ask Wade a question where there's nobody doing anything. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll be like, well, they said we could, or I'll be like, they said no. And he'll be like, do what? I'm mm. like, what do you mean? Do what? There's nothing to do. There's, there's not. There, we're not even talking about doing anything. Mm-mm. Do what? It's just basically like saying, "What did you say?" Yeah, it's really funny. Thank <laughs> you for re-explaining that. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, but you dreamt about the palmettos, right? I did. Yeah, you had a dream yeah, about I the had, palmettos. I had a dream about well, the palmettos. Explain them to him, and then he woke up the next morning. He was said, taking a bunch of pictures of them today too. Well, he, they're just uh, cool. Mm-hmm. He, you should have taken one with you. A palmetto? Yeah, they'll keep. Yeah, in Joey's truck. Yeah, they will well, not. Got down, they will not keep in Joey's truck. No, you can keep it in the topper. 
Yeah. But he was like, I had a dream about palmettas last night. I was like, you've never seen the palmetto. (laughs) I was like, I know. Well, here's the thing. He described it in a dream. He described it to me as a palm tree leaf. And so in my dream, I did picture it more as like one big ass leaf. And it kind of looks a lot more yeah, like maybe a, not the best description. It looks yeah. like a it looks like a fern. It looks like an agave plant to me. Oh, kind a little of. bit. Yeah, that's a good one. I've it's only like, seen agave plants on like uh, the container or whatever. Agave what were you calling? Oh. You were calling them something else yesterday. Yeah. What was I calling them? I don't know, but I was like, I've never heard anybody call Paul's them meadow. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this fern. is gonna kill me. Uh-oh. It's not a fern. It's a. Oh, it's going to hit me like five <laughs> hours into my drive. Like, boom. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah, whatever. Uh, anyway, that was fun. Fun to see the different environments we hunt in. And I feel like now that we've hunted different places throughout the country. We know everything. We don't know everything. <laughs> and and I can tell you that every time I go somewhere, it is totally different, no matter what. 100%. And, and now I expect that. As it should be. Yeah. No matter where we go, I'm like, wow, this this whole place just in general, the birds, the way they act, even just like the environment completely is just, you cannot, you can't dream about it. Like the palmettos, you know, they just look totally different than my dream. Yeah. And I don't know how I did for setting expectations and setting the stage. I did tell you all there weren't any ducks here. You did. And so what everyone told us very, this whole week. Yep. Very slow right now. But yeah. it's all right. We'll just come back next year in December. How about that? Do it. Fuck yeah. Didn't show up this year, but... What's that? I said you didn't show up this year. In December? Yeah. Dude, Cal told me not to come. Well, y'all had a lot going on. I could have come. I get it. I could have come. He's like, well, we should go down there together. You should, because now, next year, it just opens the door. Right. Well, now I don't need Cal, (laughs) you know? In the sense of... If you would have been listening, you would have understood. No, I listened to everything mm-hmm. you just said, but I don't know what you don't need me for. You phone like, in hand. Um, you need me phone for things. Hand. Phone in hand. So, anyway, I'm coming here next year without you. I highly doubt that, but yeah. I mean, try getting off the when you're coach. coming. I don't I'm coming. All right, I'm gonna come. The Midwest Flyways Podcast is brought to you by Soundgear, guys. Let me tell you about Soundgear. It is a hearing protection company, and it is the bee's knees. Honestly. Spend fourteen hundred bucks on the Phantoms to save your hearing forever. I can't tell you how revolutionary it is to have good hearing protection that actually fits to the mold of your ear, enhances other noises, and then also protects your hearing. Dude, Bluetooth enabled on top of that, so it connects to your phone. And the other thing I love most about it is because they're rechargeable now. You know that the black case. <clears throat> the black case that you get with it, it's a device that charges them even when it's not plugged in. Yeah. So, like, you plug it in and it charges the case and your sound gear, just like AirPods. Mm-hmm. So then when you go somewhere on a trip or whatever, you're out in the field and you've hunted for eight hours and just you need to charge case. up, just put them in the case. That's seriously, like, life-changing for me, yeah. not having to swap the batteries. And so, my most asked question about sound gear, too, is how does it sound like when you're calling? And my answer every single time is... If you're an experienced caller, you already know what your calling sounds like. The first time you go out and call, it's going to sound a little weird to you. But after that, your muscle memory kicks in. You don't even have to worry about it. Yeah, well, and you kind of learn. Like, you can easily just, like, take one out and hear how you sound and be like, okay. So, like, I know what it sounds like in this year. Like, that sounds fine then. You Just like you said, you just get adjusted to it. Right. No, it didn't sound, if anything, it just sounded a little bit muffled. But even then... 
the only reason why it sounds muffled is because it's a higher decibel. So the sound gears are actually saving yeah. your ear. Yeah. <laughs> like your ear. Exactly. All right. So go to soundgear.com today to get a pair of custom fit phantoms. Because you had a bang up December, didn't you? Yes. It was yeah. hell. It December was hella was birds. Ridiculous. We it temps dropped down to nine and it got real silly after that. Yeah. Uh, not like now where it's sixty to seventy degrees in yeah. January, which makes no sense. Yeah, and uh, water level. We, there's water everywhere. I mean, we can look out the back here and just see sheet water um, across those fields. When does this place get dry? Mm, summer. I mean, we've had dry duck seasons. This is really? A, this is a wet, very wet duck season. Wow. We've kept water everywhere. Fields, timber. There's a lot of water and not a lot of hunters, which means the birds are just sitting up. That's part of why we don't have birds, but. Hmm. They're not getting pushed around. Mm-mm. No, no. And the river's just right there too. I mean, they hang out on the river too. So, like, what Cal was asking is, when will all this dry up? How long will it take? Months. Months. I was gonna yeah. say because that's a lot of fucking water out there. Yeah. Do you guys keep some water at this club the whole year, no matter what? The lakes. So, like, where we drove by, where you were like, "There's big bass caught out of there." Mm-hmm. You guys keep water there the whole year, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So you can you can just fish that all year. Yep. Yeah, that's cool. You use that to flood the woods. Mm-hmm. Huh. That's crazy. What like on average? What do you think that like for the whole camp? Obviously, but what is the bill for that electricity wise to pump that much water? Uh, I don't know. You have no idea. Not cheap. Thousands. Oh well, sure, yeah. thousands. Yeah. I mean, I would just based off what I know about our. Dues, farm, or your farm. Well, okay. I mean, and I'm not a member at the big club. That's very important to point out. I'm mm-hmm. my uh, my uncles were and are founding members, and uh, family friends. There's several multi multi generation members here, right? Um, and 16 members. I'm not a member of the big club, Moccasin, but uh. My dad, my uncle, and a family friend, and we uh, we bought a spot across the road, uh, 200 acres that's flooded timber. That How did that feel when you guys did that? Good, real good, real good, <laughs> yeah. real good. Yeah, to like have a have a play in the game, you know. Um, but like we've done this week, you you play it by ear, and uh, you hunt Choose with family best. and friends. And uh, we hunted that spot Saturday morning, and. Uh, I was hoping we get more the birds around us in the fields. We get more pressure, and that just didn't happen. So that's probably what it would have taken to drive more birds to us. Yeah. Well, dude, I got to be honest. So um, you're the owner and founder of Camo Retro, right? Mm-hmm. So you buy consignment, and you have people sell their own shit on your website of like vintage camo, new camo, yep, everything. But like I knew you were a hunter, but I didn't realize like you, you were this kind of a hunter. Like you've been hunting here. You haven't gone home in how many months? I went home for one day this month, January, but before that, Thanksgiving, before Thanksgiving. So you've just been fucking grinding here at the camp yeah. for 60 days. Yeah, I can't lie. I did not realize either like, I did that not you spent realize. like 70 days, 60 days a year just hunting. Last year... Not this season, but last season, I I duck hunted seventy four days. 
Good Lord. Not just Arkansas. Yeah, that's that wild. was North Dakota, uh, Louisiana, Mississippi, Arkansas. I only missed four days in Arkansas. I'm like honestly impressed because yeah. I thought I hunted a lot and I and I don't hunt as much as you. I, I don't know. I just... Fucking awesome. Just do it. Uh, that is one question that throws me off at trade shows though. They're like, well, do you hunt? I'm like, what's the answer to that? <laughs> And that's when you pull out your lanyard full of bands and you say, what up? Never shot a band. Well, yeah, you did. One band, but. But you gave it to a kid. Yeah. Look at you. Big man on campus. Like I said last night, I'll take the two birds I got mounted last year over a lifetime of bands. Tell us what those were. I got a Pintail Gadwall hybrid. Unreal. Spriggs. Beautiful bird. That's crazy. And then on my first turkey hunt ever, Got a five spurred turkey. <laughs> Measured four and a half inches on the spurs. That's ridiculous. Yeah, that blew my mind a little bit actually last Your year. Your first turkey. First turkey. <laughs> you going again this year? Sure. Yeah. I mean, honestly, you might just want to like, quit. Hang it up. Yeah, that's what. Just hang it up. That's what all the uh, pros tell me. Right. Turkey hunting pros. My you Instagram bio. Next three years. Uh, my Instagram bio for the longest said killed a turkey once. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> uh it's the videos on youtube it's a pawn shop shotgun series nwtf and out here co were nice enough to take me on a hunt it was supposed to be like his you know my first it, they were taking people within the personalities within the industry turkey hunting and they had different avenues off most of them prolific turkey hunters in their own right right uh and for me, it was supposed to be, well, he's never killed a turkey before, so let's let this be his first turkey. Well, the guy that they took hunting before me that they thought was a accomplished turkey hunter had never killed a turkey before. Unbelievable. Oh, no. Just a guy that was in the industry or whatever, and they killed the turkey. He's like, oh, yeah, it's my first one. They were like, what? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I got my first one, and it found its own. It was its own thing because it was the turkey it was. Um that was a cool. That was a cool program that out here, Co. Uh, Jay Sisk over there hosted. So the shotgun was bought for um, three hundred dollars from a pawn shop, and then I mean Harold Knight, Hunter Farrier, all these other like Pickle, all these other guys signed the stock of the shotgun, and then it was raffled off. Um, so it was a fundraiser for NWTF for conservation for turkeys. And uh, are there were those signatures worth something? Or because I don't know a single name. Harold Knight, yeah, for sure. I mean Knight and Hill. Game oh calls. no shit! Yeah, yeah. Wow. Cool. so that's it's a big deal. I mean, uh, Hunter, the Spring Legion author guy and good guy, but uh, I'm not real, real into the turkey world, so right. I don't want to misrepresent anybody else on that list. But Too late. Um, I was, I, I, you know, Logan Webster is not synonymous with uh, turkey hunting, so I just put my initials LJW. There you go. They can just guess. Yeah, I guess. Was yeah, John is your middle. James, James. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, nice. It's uh, actually yeah. a pretty sweet idea. Yeah, I, I, mean, I think you could apply it to the duck hunting world real easily. Um, might have to do that, Cal. I got a pretty good idea for that. We'll have to talk about it. We'll talk about it. But those are my birds. Very proud of them. The hybrid, too. I'd I'd never mounted anything in my life, and well, you got to mount that. I told myself when I get a hybrid duck. I'll mount it in last year. Nice. Or, yeah, last year. Even in a place like this, you wouldn't want to, well, it's a, um, shit. Well, you don't want to just, like, cover the walls and ducks, obviously, mm-hmm. but 
Um, I feel like a little bit taller of a ceiling, just hanging from the ceiling. Maybe. You know? Yeah. I'm probably going to move. My mounts are in Fayetteville at the house up there, but yeah, probably going to move them down here. You have to, dude. Yeah. You're a duck camp. Yeah. I was shocked that you didn't have any at the Camel Retro. Store? Shop. That, that room's too dusty. Really? Mm-hmm. Mm. They're still doing construction on the other suits, but yeah, um, yeah, I, too much dust goes through there. I clean that dust off of. I, I like dust the clothes and stuff, or I'll put when I know they're doing construction or stuff in the next room. I put that. What's that stuff that painters like plastic use? poly? Yeah, I put painters that plastic, over all poly? the inventory and on the Duh, art. That's, what that's so wild. That would piss yeah, me off. Sucks. <laughs> what? That would piss me off to put up poly. Yeah, poly. Yeah. That's, yeah. I don't know. I'm just part of it. Well, dude, well, everyone for the podcast, we stopped in at the Camo Retro outlet store, and that was badass. It was so cool. Now, was it a little messed up that the door says caution radiation? And I and I mm. legitimately stopped for a second. I'm like, oh, no, we're going to get sick. Joey's such, like, Joey's such a dad now. Yeah, Joey's so funny. We pulled up. He's like, it says radiation on the door. <laughs> It's like, I don't know, man. Dude, it's Arkansas. Anything's fucking possible. I'm sure there's no radiation in there anymore. It's fine. Yeah, they used to uh, test core samples in there. Right. Uh, Concrete core samples. Well, I asked Rayleigh, and I'm like, hey, um, what's up with the sign? She's like, well, no, it's not a big deal. They used to test concrete. And I was like, oh, okay. She's like, if anyone's getting sick in here, it's me. Well before <laughs> Logan, because I'm in here the most. Yeah, <laughs> he hasn't yeah. been here more than 12 hours in the last two months, and I was like, "What?" And that's when we were talking about how long you've been gone hunting. Well, I'm about to be living out of that room, getting ready for NWTF. Uh, so you are going to be at NWTF. Yeah, I've got a booth. Nice. What are you going to be? What are you uh, planning on selling there? Got a, a huge shit. spring collection. Nice yeah. vintage mossy oak, some green bark. leaf, lots of green leaf, lots and oh. lots of green leaf. Uh, by the way, when Joey says outlet store, just for everybody, it is somewhere you should stop on your way, but don't walk in there and be like, all oh, this shit's on sale, right? Because when I hear outlet yeah. store, I'm like the Nike outlet. Or Does that mean type. it's on sale? Well, outlet is, yeah, outlet is a clearance clothing, oh, like a clearance store. I didn't know that. I had no idea. I thought that was just like the area, like the type of building it's in. Mm, no. No. Yeah, oh. It's like surplus. No, yeah, outlet is usually, yeah, like surplus or like Nike couldn't sell, you know, one million pairs of sneakers. So no they, shit. Have, they have 10,000. they had a defect. In yeah, some, something like, in like that. A run. So there's no defects and there's no sales. Shit is full price. It's dope. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you can go on camoretro.com to book your appointment. It is appointment only shopping. Yeah. We don't hold hours. Yeah. Um, because it is y- used mainly for storage and for shipping. And but you did have a nice fridge staging. of beer and pinball machines and big buck hunter. Yeah. So if you cool. come shop for an hour, uh, your deposit pays for the hour. Um, you have a deposit. Yeah. So when you no make shit. your appointment, you pay $60 for you and up to nine people. And you get to play the pinball, do the big buck hunter. There's beer in the fridge, Midwest Flyways TV, on um, you know, playing. <laughs> and uh, you got the darts, but you get to shop. And whatever you buy, your deposit goes towards your purchase. So oh, no as shit. long as you spend yeah. $60 worth of stuff or buy $60 worth of stuff. Then you don't pay any extra. You don't for, pay anything. Right. That's I just to pay for the time. No of, shit. Well, yeah, because kind of he's not necessarily dude. there. And so yeah. then it's like more of an experience. Like you get to come hang out. I saw uh, when we were talking to the guys next door, they were saying that they had a bachelor party come. Yeah. Yeah. 
So that's cool. Oh, you met the guys at EO Space, Matt? Uh, uh, no, they were just talking. I mean, one of them was talking about his buddy had a bachelor party coming up. Oh, that's and they right. were gonna yeah, do it. You're talking about here, not at yeah. Fayetteville. Yeah, yeah, that that'd be cool. Yeah, that's cool, man. Get a lot of uh, fraternity guys from yeah the local college, University of Arkansas. That's pretty sweet. Woo pig. I like the idea. Woo pig. It is a cool idea. Yeah. Uh, Logan, who'd you learn the most from in terms of hunting? I think uh, I know the answer, but I want to just hear you like talk through it and explain it. And man, I'd say my dad. Yeah. And you know that goes that conversation is multifaceted, but just showing what it takes to the hard work it takes to maintain the ability to have a schedule that allows you to hunt as much as you want to. Yeah. That's a big part of it. My dad was, you know, went to a four year college and got out of it and found his passion for hunting largely at college hunting with people like Rod Haydell, um, who we got to join on a hunt. I was going to talk yeah. to you about that in a second, yeah. but continue. Okay. Uh, so dad, Coming out of college, I, I'm sure there were other factors too, but a big driving factor for him was if he went on to choose to follow the career that he had set out to, he wouldn't get to hunt as much as he loved to. And yeah. uh, he, so he took up farming instead, which is very complimentary of hunting. And, uh, you know, f that's something that always stuck with me is, wow, dad made a decision that early in life that he loved hunting so much that he's going to model his career around it and i've done that right in some ways too with I camera did retro yeah. did that did that influence you yeah with camera retro for sure <laughs> well dad and others y'all got to meet lester and randy yeah um i mean the stories they have to tell is what influenced camera retro because it started as a blog and you can go back to the first episode that we did um to hear more about how camera retro got started i won't drone on about that but it was originally a blog just telling the stories that people's favorite gear had to tell so my dad's favorite jacket, my uncle's favorite hat, just kind of diving down the rabbit hole of the stories that they had to tell through their gear. You hear the same old stories, but, uh, you know, I'd, I'd challenge you with a mentor of yours. Ask them about that jacket they always wear. Ask them about that hat all that they always wear and say, hey, where'd you get that? Like, how long have you had it? And it just opens up these conversations. Totally, that, dude. That you've never heard before. I guarantee you, you've never heard before. And that, that really fascinated me. So that was the original camo retro blog was just telling the stories and that was for me as much as anybody else but then people just wanted to buy the stuff and i shifted to a marketplace um platform and i'm i'm getting back to that storytelling aspect more and more um you're a pretty good storyteller sometimes it yeah. takes an hour an hour yeah but it's a really good story you know right um yeah. that's a really interesting answer actually we've never had an answer like that my dad influenced me by teaching me how to center my life around hunting. Yeah, that's actually true. We've never had anybody ever say that. We've had a lot of people say like my dad, my grandpa, my uncle, whatever yeah. has, you know, taught me the most, but not like the key factor being that like, if you want to do this all the time, you better think about what you're doing for work. Well, I'm really lucky. I like hunting too. And you know, I, I use my dad as that example because he, he very much has followed that path. And hunting is a passion of his. And like I said, I'm really lucky that I took to it as well. And uh, he definitely, sh he has definitely lived a life that it's like you figure out what's important to you and that's your life. He's, you know, Christian and 
he does love farming. That is the occupation he was made for. Yeah. Um, but hunting is a passion of his and his family. And that's, uh, that is his life. You know what's funny is Rob kind of showed me that too. If you think about it, he's self-employed. And mm-hmm. then he got, he became a Christian. And that's when his business took off, right? And then he hired the right people. So those yeah. people ran the business, and then Rob's job was to manage all the hunting properties so mm. that if they had a big client, they could take him yeah. hunting, fishing, deer hunting, yeah. and they could shoot or fish and catch something that made them want to give them all their work. Yeah. And so I grew up helping my dad manage that stuff. I'm like, don't you, like, actually work? <laughs> He's like, this is work. This is work, yeah. It uh, was hard work, dude. Managing those duck properties and deer properties and pheasant properties, it's a lot of hard work. And he was just like gone all the time in yep. like a different part of the state, manicuring mm-hmm. and breeding and doing all that stuff for the properties, like salt licks all the time for deer and certain trees planted and putting corn in between two rows of cedar trees. Perfect for pheasant hunting, yeah. you know, just, just incredible shit like that. stuff. Yeah. I mean, farming and land management whether you're doing wildlife management or not, you're just constantly fish, fixing stuff. There's constantly. always something that need, needs fixed. Well, always. so here's a real question. Your dad, when he's fixing stuff, mm-hmm. is he really pissed off? Um, he's not <laughs> happy. Well, there's always something There's always something to fix. So <laughs> to say that he's always pissed off would just, you'd be saying he's always pissed off. But um, it's. It, I'll say this. It's different when he's fixing something that he broke versus something that well of course i broke <laughs> of course it's a much it's a much uh more dramatic yeah display of emotion different <laughs> level of intensity yeah dude fucking my dad him and i are building a boulder wall at my cabin and it was 2020 i'm like dad i'm broke as shit yeah there's no work it's the beginning of spring and i'm like transitioning for like what i'm doing for work now He's like, well, I really need to build a boulder wall, so you need to come out and operate the backhoe. I was like, okay. So I go out there, figure it out in like 20 minutes how to operate this thing and whatever, and he's like, there's this fucking woodchuck all over the place, and it's constantly pissing me off. So have have a 17 in your cab, and if you see him, shoot him. Yeah. I'm like, cool. And him and I are having a smoke break because that's when I was smoking cigs, so we, he brings me out coffee and... We're smoking a cig together and we're staying 10 feet away from each other because it's COVID. And uh, he goes, son of a bitch. And he sees the woodchuck and this thing is crawling on the other implement. Mm-hmm. And so like these implements, there's so many hydraulic hoses and everything. He takes the gun and I shit you not. The second he puts that thing up to his eye, within like two seconds, he pulled the trigger, completely misses the woodchuck and hits the hydraulic hose. hose. Yeah. And he's just like, son of a bitch. <laughs> He's like, huh? Well, I mean, it happens. It happens. And, I, and I'm just thinking to myself, if I'd motherfucker, if I would have shot that fucking hydraulic hose, you would have oh, made yeah. me put it on the trailer and bring it to someone to fix yeah. it. Yeah. Immediately. Yeah. And it would have ruined your week. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he'd have been big mad. I would have been better off just driving home <laughs> versus staying I, there. You know, the, the work ethic and lifestyle, you know, being centered and your passions, those are all things that might have... And, understanding your values and the work it takes to maintain those uh uh past that just learning how to you know i'll use the term woodsmanship 
and taking care of the land, taking care of the animals and understanding that it's a blessing to have access to any of it, public or private. For sure. And um, having a reverence for the outdoors. That's uh, that's definitely something. And not, it, you know, it was never like, now sit down and, you know, hear a story. You know, here's the, <laughs> we're going to talk about values. It's it's <laughs> just watching him and observing him growing right. up. So I'd, I'd say definitely my dad, uh, um, a close second would be both Lester and Randy. And uh, just especially for duck hunting with them, uh, mm. just spending the time in the woods down here growing up. Is there anything that those guys have taught you that you've really latched onto that's like something you really think a lot about while you're hunting? Mm. I mean, probably the bigger things like... Shooting lanes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shooting huh? lanes is a Interesting. big one. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, be real quick to tell you if you're getting out of your shooting lane. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, honestly... Just, uh, you know, making sure everybody's taken care of and yeah. Cause the hospitality here has been stupid. Yeah. We very much enjoyed it in a good way. Yeah. yeah. Stupid in a good way. Yeah. Stupid in a good way. Felt just very welcome. Yeah. We're not just a bunch of Yankees down here. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Y'all didn't get called Yankee once. Did you? No. Uh, we did in Louisiana quite a bit. Yeah. No, you're all just fucking Yankees. You don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, oh, okay. Sounds good. Right. He lost the war, but it's okay. (laughs) And he just looked at me like, fuck you. It's awesome. Am I not allowed to say that or what? No, you're fine. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah, uh, I was, I don't know. Pleasantly surprised isn't the right, right term, but. I mean, you just fucking Yankee. Well, you got the lucky duck the wrong direction, so I'm just not sure. <laughs> not sure how the Yankee in me has me uh, fucked up on that, but cool, cool, cool. At least I know how wind work. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> we do know how wind work. <laughs> For sure. I love how you said that. <laughs> At least I know how wind work. That's exactly how someone would say it. Oh, my God. Dude, it's wild. I'll tell you this. What's weird, too, is... um. In, like, Minnesota, that you go through a lot of, like, towns that are much more, like, mm-hmm. um, like 50,000, 30,000, 40,000 person towns, you know? Mm. And you'll have, like, you know, 30 minutes, whatever, in between those 15 to 30 minutes in between them. Here, dude, you can go two, three hours on a road and not see a town that's got more than, like, three or 4,000 people in it, maybe. Yeah. and It's you, insane. You better get gas when you can. No, that's that's what we notice. Oh, we did notice. Yeah, don't worry. In Louisiana, we stopped at four diesel places, and nope. Oh, yeah. we're out. Yeah. What no, that wasn't Louisiana. That was Arkansas. That was, that was Arkansas. That yeah. was Fayetteville. It's like, hey, that was Fayetteville. It's like, why does no one here have diesel off of a major highway? Yeah, the every like two stores we went into, the guy was like, "No, we're out." What do you mean you're out? How are you out of diesel? Don't people have diesel trucks down here? Like people love trucks in the south. Oh yeah. Well, that was also <laughs> what the fuck. We got a lot of snow and stuff yeah. and Fayetteville in particular has those mountains and anything off the interstate especially was no way going to have they were going to be lower out of gas and diesel because the tanker trucks can't make it to them we're wow. just not prepared for those road for that yeah. kind of condition here yeah I, I guess it, I didn't think about the snowstorm just um, blew my mind Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Midwest Flyways podcast. Say, I just want to tell you guys about a tool that Joey and I use constantly that can make your hunt way more successful. It's the Onyx Hunt app, and Joey and I both have an elite membership, and I I promise you it's worth every penny. Joey, what's your favorite thing about Onyx? Dude, there's like a hundred things, but easily 
the most practical uses are the tracking app. So I know how I walk through those cattails and how to get back so I can find that exact path that I made getting in there because yep. it was a, an ass getting in there. It yeah. makes it so much easier on the way back out. But then also the uh, the wind app. Yeah, it's dude. It's really nice. It's so much easier than trying to go to a wind app separately and find out what the actual wind calendar looks like for a certain spot you want to hunt. I think that that's for sure. That's the thing that I look at on the app and I'm like, wow, this is just smart. This is just an easy thing to use on the app. Um, other thing I really like too is the radius. You know, you can like set a radius marker on your point. Did you know that? Yeah, so you can like right by the wind calendar, you can like click set a radius area and then you can pull out or expand to like 500 yards. So then you can like check how far you are from a house oh. or a road or anything like that. Nice. Yeah. So then you can have that on the same waypoint. So when you like zoom in, it shows you like a 550 yard radius around you or something. I've always just used the <clears throat> drop the drop point deal. Yeah, that works too. That works really good too. But yeah, no. Um, check out Onyx Hunt, guys. You can get 20 percent off your membership with MWF20. So go to Onyx Hunt. The code for the app is also on our website. So go to MidwestFlyways.com. Our code on there for the discount is on there as well. Appreciate you guys. Dude, I can't believe you just like so haphazardly invite us down here. You're like, yeah, just come on down, you know, whatever. And then our first day hunting, uh, we're hunting with Rod Haydell of Haydell Game Calls. I was just, I was a little like stupefied, <laughs> like, holy shit. I've been blowing your duck call since I was a kid, like a kid, two years old. And I, and I was like trying not to fanboy out a little bit. I'm like, dude, I've been blowing your duck off <laughs> since I was a kid. And he was so nice, man. Yeah. So cool. Down to earth. And I was really trying to listen to him uh, call and, like, watch when he would call. So here's uh, the really interesting thing about Midwest Flyways and traveling a lot for hunting is um, hunting is different everywhere, right? So I'm, I'm sure you notice in North Dakota, when you go up there, it's totally different than it is down here. Absolutely. But that's what I'm used to is up there where ducks are a little bit dumber and you just throw a bunch of robos in a field, you're going to kill them. You know, hide yourself well and you're good. Down here, especially when I was guiding at Stewart Ranch, he's like, you don't have to do all that. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, they're way smarter here. I'm like, okay. So I just watched him. He couldn't call like super well, but he just knew when to call the birds down here. And I'm like, oh, okay. And so I really wanted to see how Rod was doing it. And it was pretty similar to when I would do it, you know, wait till they get to a certain point, then you hit them. So him and I would actually call on top of each other. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, so I'm doing it the same way that someone who is way older than me and has been doing this way longer and way better than me Yeah. at the same time. So it was kind of like a, a nice little reassurance, like, okay, I do know a little bit of yeah. what I'm talking about, you know, but it was fucking surreal as shit to duck hunt with rod and hear that dr85 blow the way that it should blow just be able to talk to him and hang out and kind of hear just oh, pick his brain a little bit super personable and yeah. very approachable i i grew up hunting with him i will say this year i got to hunt with him more uh because we've got that new property and we're able to we just have the freedom to invite him a little bit more uh i will say with rod's calling and especially after uh shadowing i'll say uh so much this year i wish we could have heard them call more which i guess right. i wish we had more birds, birds were finicky yeah birds are finicky they are 
them birds is edumacated, as mm-hmm. I hear down here. Uh, yep. when Do they what? Make it all <laughs> he, he didn't, he didn't even, even think it. twice. <laughs> he just immediately uh, said it again. The uh, Rod's calling is so deliberate. Like, succinct, deliberate, no, no excess, just talking to the birds and watching him make those birds react. And I've talked to him some about this year working on my calling. Um, you know, what What do I need to be doing different? I, I, when no birds are flying, I'll say, hey, here's how I normally call. These are just my right habits uh, and stuff. And, he, and he's like, you just, you need to like, you need to, your start and stop needs to be a lot more right on point. You can't let the notes don't let bleed it drone together. on and all that stuff. And I don't, I, I, I'm not a good caller by any means proficient at best, but talking to the birds in the timber, like we have down here, I've taken that to heart and just kind of less is more just with the lonesome hen and then just not making a whole song and dance out of it. Here's a really interesting thing. So like when we hunted with Rod, I was very interested to see about like when he would call and how he would use his call. One thing I really watched him do a lot actually is he would wait. So when we saw birds, he would wait to see if you were going to call, if me or you were going to call first. Really? Yep. He does that so too. He'll, he when would he's wait with other callers. Yeah. He'll, if somebody else wants to call, he'll let them call. Yeah. He Cause he, he had his call in his hand and he would be watching birds and he'd pick his call up and then he'd peek around a tree and look at you to see if your call was up to your mouth. And if it was, then he would wait. He wouldn't call. And then if you weren't like going to blow a call because you'd have it in your hand, but it wouldn't be that close to you, then he would blow. Yeah. Yeah. So I was watch. I was like watching him pretty much while we were hunting, you know, just figuring out because we'd be watching birds and, you know, people wouldn't be calling or whatever. And I'd kind of peek over to look at him to see what his, you know, how long he would wait, what his thought process was, all that. And I'd see him like slowly picking up his call and then he would peek right around his tree and look to see if me or you were going to call. Hmm. Yeah. Kind of cool. Something I definitely, like I took note of while we were doing, while we were hunting with him. I mean, when you hunt with somebody that's as ingrained in waterfowl as Rod Haydell, you want to just soak up as much as you can. So, yeah, I encourage anybody listening to this to follow Rod either through Haydell's game calls or even his personal Facebook page. He throws stuff up all the time. Does he? Recipes, duck calling tips, showing on some new stuff that he's working on that may never may never see his website or uh, a retail store um he's a good he's a good follow and super approachable if you ever have a question just reach out to him he says he does a lot of trade shows too he but does he doesn't yeah. come up north no yeah no. so i think he does smaller trade shows now too. Mm. i think he's coming back to delta next year in little rock that's mm-hmm. a show y'all should definitely come to yeah We've, d- we've got some shows on our list this year that we'd like to get to for sure. Delta was fun last year. It was a good show. It was, it was a great show. Yeah, Wade went too. He said it was fun. Um, a lot of energy. Lots yeah. of energy, which I love to see. Obviously, home. St- it was in Little Rock, so home state, and only three hours away from Fayetteville. And, uh, yeah, I was really excited to see that much energy in such a crowd because Arkansas is a small state, but it, it brought in a crowd. It was exciting. Nice. Nice. No, that was uh that was fun, man. Like I like I how do I say this? So like when we're duck hunting, there's kind of like a progression that goes into duck hunting unless someone 
like at the start of the day, like especially when we travel, right? So when we hunted with Drake, uh, Carter in Kansas the day after we did the podcast with him, his buddies that were out there, they killed a bunch of ducks the day before, but they came out right away and they're like, hey, like get their attention and then stop. Like yeah. just cut it off completely. And so when I hear that, I'm like, okay, I'm going to follow that guideline. I'm probably going to watch what that guy does and just kind of follow suit and just be like a supportive role, right? Instead of me just like, you know, just like when he's barking, I'm doing something else, like feed chuckling or like a soft whimper call or a lonesome hen, whatever. I'm probably not going to be the one barking unless I see the duck first. Yeah. Um, And so it was really interesting to come down here and hunt with Rod and hunt with you and your dad and just kind of like see how it went. Cause that's, I did kind of notice that he wasn't like the one initiating everything, but there was nine or 10 times where I definitely didn't pick up my call to see what he would do. And it was very eye opening. And also his call, the DR 85, the polycarb is a lot quieter of a call. And mm-hmm. so I wanted to see how he blew it. So it was just like very eye opening. The whole thing. It's hard for me to explain on the podcast, really, but I learned a lot. Well, he's got his new call, too, that I told you all about. And I meant to have him call it for you because I can't do it justice. It's the quiet call, and it's kind of his answer to the cut-down call. Mm. It's a much more subtle tone, and um, it's... I think he hasn't... This isn't Rod Haydell saying this, but I think it's a call that's more designed for people who are hunting more isolated spots. And they're not having to compete with other calls. And they're able to have a wider range and just a, a, a different sound than what those ducks are probably used to by the time they make it down here. What kind of a sound? Because I, I didn't hear the call. He didn't. Yeah, he didn't blow it. Oriola should have had him. What's it called? It's the... He's calling it the quiet call. The quiet I, call? I don't know what it's... I don't know probably what it's like product QC-19. Sure, yeah. But I guarantee it, Something or like QC twenty one, or whatever year yeah. it come out, twenty twenty two. Yeah, so it'd be QC twenty two. Yeah, I bet it's probably what it is. Yeah, because he was telling us a little bit about the different names of what each of the calls meant, or whatever. So DR eighty five is literally a double read, and it came out. It actually, technically, he said came out in nineteen eighty four, but mm-hmm. they named it eighty five. And then he's got another call that came out in twenty ten. It's a BC ten. I can't remember. Oh, big barrel barrel. call. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, BC 10. So that's how the name comes up for all of his different calls, which is always interesting when I talk to different people that make, you know, calls, like how do they come up with the name for the calls? Um, which that's a good one for Scott. I should ask Scott more about why he calls stuff like the reflex or the rush or the EX three. Yeah. The thought process. Yeah. Like what is, yeah. Cause yeah, most, most of those guys are pretty deliberate with it. Um, with what they come up with, but, uh, so considering how many days a year you hunt, Logan, Oh, I wanted to say real quick about calling and what Joey said with waiting to see what other people do. Yeah. I would say the same thing going back at you. Cause I'm looking at these same birds in the same woods all season long yeah. and to see somebody come in with a new sound. Obviously, I mean, for y'all, you've got that Northern accent with your calls, right? exactly seeing those uh very proper seeing uh seeing anybody else call to the birds i always pick up on stuff too and um so you know that goes both ways 
Sure. Yeah, you should use what we do when you go to North Dakota. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, but down here, you should probably just keep doing whatever you want to do. I do not touch my calls in North Dakota. My, I learned this probably like eight, nine years ago now when I got like a louder duck call mm-hmm. is everyone in the public marsh in Minnesota, you know, does a greeting call, greeting call. And when those ducks get within a hundred yards, they just feeding chuckle. And the amount of times I've seen ducks peel off at 40 yards right before you're about to call the shot. They don't flare. They just kind of peel off Yeah, and whatever is what made me really change my shit. Mm-hmm. And so you just kind of, you kind of, focus on volume control you just find out yeah. different noises and like i i saw it in the timber today like ducks weren't flying that high because of the fog and so you don't want to bark at them and blow them out of the hole but you still want to be like present and let them know that you're there so you just kind of yeah and so up north once i started doing that i i guarantee you i doubled or tripled the amount of ducks we yeah. would kill it's just by making some sort of a noise, but you're not yelling at them. You're not greeting, calling them. Yeah. It's a little distorted. Maybe an echo to it, especially in the timber, which the timber is going to do that naturally. Um, I'm a big fan of setting up something small in the timber and making them look for it. Really? They hear it. They might see some movement, but they're like searching for decoys or whatever it is. They're like, there, there's something down there. What is that? Like via trolling? No, I mean, you see the bird, but you've maybe got a small spread and mm-hmm. you're not calling, or when you do call, it's just a. Mark. What's a small spread, by the way, to you? It's a good In December? I mean, yeah. as small. I've hunted over. I've, I've hunted over six floaters. Well, okay. So, like, that's like one of the smallest, probably. So, like, yeah. what's a small spread and what's a big spread in the timber? In the timber? What's, a, what's an average spread? An average spread's probably three dozen, in three, the four dozen spinner two spinners we've been running two spinners for a while now and as this as the season goes on the spinners get pushed more towards the edge of the hole interesting so they still see the flash but still see the flash they're they're seeing the flash but not necessarily the stationary bird or whatever and Mm -hmm. it's still kind of that looking for them kind of philosophy where they're not they know something's happening down there but coming to get a closer look because we end up doing a lot more pass shooting in late season. You only run them mojo flock of flickers? Mm. I give you the flash. We do, but... I hate them. Yeah. I fucking hate those things. No, I just... No I was just joking. I just... Movement, move In late season, movement is way more important than... Uh, we didn't... We didn't set up... We didn't set up a mojo all weekend. Right. I'm... Yeah. At this point in the season, I don't... Do more harm than good. Yeah. I need more motion. And I know Joey and I talked about... Yeah, dude, we were throwing our hips in that water. Uh, well, I mean, we talked about a motion decoy that we might be mm-hmm. investing in, but uh, yeah, to, yeah, we were we were making the move today, right? No, we were we were throwing our hips and talking about women, dancing know? dancing to that music that Dad was playing in the side by side yesterday. <laughs> Whipping, whip, whip it, it, whip it. <laughs> Y'all ever heard this song? Yeah. yeah. About 40 years ago. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Him and Rod were jamming, though. They liked it. Yeah. Uh, Logan, since you hunt so much uh, that me and Joey just found out about, can you tell us a couple of crazy stories or a crazy story that comes to your mind? Well, you asked 
earlier y'all said y'all heard a uh, honker when we were in the woods and yeah. y'all were like unheard of. Yeah, that's crazy. Honker in the woods. Never gonna happen. And I held up two fingers. Yeah. So the first honker I got in the timber, it was that time that we had like an inch and a half of ice. Negative uh, three degrees. Me, my dad, Randy, maybe Lester. Yeah, Lester was definitely there. We're the only ones hunting probably in this entire county. We went down to our best hole, broke up the ice, really low ceiling that morning. The fog, I mean, was the treetops were poking through the, the clouds. Okay. That low. And uh, we're hunting. We had some, we had the only open water and we had ducks coming in. Well, at one point, heard some, uh, heard a, heard a goose and uh, looked up and just, I mean, right there was a lonesome honker. I pulled up, shot, uh, clipped his wing. He hit out on a glide, headed west through the timber. And it, it made, he made a lot of noise coming down through those branches. It was some pretty thick stuff and crash into the ice. And Lester and Randy... Like, well, good luck finding that bird. You know, you never going to get that one. It's a big ass bird. And, uh, well, the ice too, super thick and going through the timber to get it. Well, I started at that point I had something to prove, right? So I cut off through the timber and was breaking ice, breaking ice, breaking ice. I could see the hole that the bird made when it landed from a ways away, but I get up to it and it becomes terrifically clear that there's no bird floating in the hole. Right. He so I get up there and while I was looking around, I didn't see it. Um, but it took me a while to get out there. I mean, this thing hit a glide pretty, pretty far out there, get up to the hole. And I'm just like thinking maybe it dove under and it's under the ice or something, uh, end up taking my jacket off and reaching in there to just see around the edge. Cause you couldn't see through the ice. It was cloudy, um, to see if the bird was in there and, I was about to give up, and then I looked off to the right, and I saw a uh, blood trail on the ice. <laughs> so for the next two hours, I oh tracked God. a blood trail. Holy shit! Of a huge Canada goose um, through the flooded timber, breaking ice the entire way. Finally, he uh, he got tired, and I could see him from a ways off, and I just closed the. I, I saw him resting, and once he's caught wind of me he got back up and i finally caught up with him and i just i finished him off as soon as i could but oh. i came back with that bird and that's the hardest i've ever worked for. yeah no shit <laughs> for well yeah bird. hunting private yeah that's the hardest you've ever worked uh, uh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> great here we go uh but yeah do you uh, hunt ducks or not really blood track oh, so, you know, yeah do you hunt do you hunt uh, blood tracking uh, honker on the ice. Um, well, to prove my mentors wrong was um, that was big a fun deal. One. That was a big. So deal. they had left the hole by this time, or they're still there waiting no, for they you? They were still there. I mean, they could hear me like <laughs> walking all over for three hours. Yeah, breaking ice for you know the entire morning. But when I got back, it was time to go. But and I'd hear them start up the boat every now and then to run it around the hole to break up the ice. And, oh my gosh. Um, yeah, I'll show y'all. That was a big, big honker. But um, and then the second one, 
second one well, it was just last year um shooting 20 gauge and I, I haven't taken shots at geese in the timber in a while because the chances of hitting them is pretty low and i don't want to just go around maiming birds but right uh last year i started shooting a 20 gauge and had a low flyer come over and it's like normally i wouldn't shoot and i was like i want to shoot a honker in the timber with a 20 gauge pulled up two shots uh first one was a little behind second one caught him right in the head bolted came down holy shit <laughs> that's crazy man i honestly like we heard a we heard a goose this morning that's what brought all this up and uh you and joey both were kind of looking up at it or trying to find it and i was like honker in the timber i don't think so Unheard and then of. logan's like mm, i've done that twice well dude actually that that lake we were talking about earlier that gets flooded i uh also right place right time too Neither of those cases did I do anything to bring that goose in to be abundantly right, it just clear. So happened. You're just yeah. right there. Right. You have to hunt a lot to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, on that lake, I had my second encounter with the guy that I got cited for hunter harassment, and uh, I was out there by myself and shot my six ducks, and I had talked to him that morning too, and so he called the the police on me. And this guy's just a dick, just a fucking dick. Says that he leases that whole side of the lake, and it's well above the high water mark, or it's well below the high water mark. And then also in Minnesota, if you can float a canoe, like you're good, as long as you don't touch dry land, yeah. it's fine. And I took a public launch to oh, get the, there. The Waterways Act, yeah, yeah, Federal Waterways Act. And uh, you should any hunter should familiarize or fisherman familiarize yourself with that, right? And uh, so he comes out there threatening to call the cops. I was like, do it. Fuck you. And this is the first time I met him. He threatened me. He threatened my life. And I was like, uh-uh. Mm. No, no, no. And so I cited him for hunter harassment. And uh, he had to call me and apologize. Because the, the game warden does not like him. Yeah. And uh, whatever. So second time, get the cops calling me again. And... Uh, I shot a limited ducks. It's just a total mixed bag, widgeon, mallard, a gadwall, and a couple teal. And uh, I'm just about to pack up. I'm so heated after that guy came out and talked to me. I'm just like, oh, fuck this shit, you know. And Trevor Ludke, who owns Legends Outfitters with uh, Joe Heinz, was actually hunting the field on the other side. So there was a bunch of geese. Yeah. And I was, like, deep in this timber spot. I had like nine goose floaters out or something. And so whatever didn't come into him came into me. And I was just like, I just vividly remember these geese just dumping shit into this timber to come in there. And I just whacked my three geese. And so the cop met me like halfway getting back to the launch. He's like, no, you're good. You're good, yeah. man. He's like, I just have to come out here and, you know, I have to respond to the call. Yeah. And I was like, do you mind doing me a favor? He's like, sure. I was like, can you take a picture for me? <laughs> so like, I have three geese and six ducks hanging on a log in the timber. Yeah. Then I have that picture. And like the fucking, the fucking cop took the picture the for moment. me. I was just like, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> it was so awesome. Did he walk through the water to get to you? No, he was on shore. Okay. He was on shore. And then I gave him a ride back to the boat launch. So he didn't have to get his boots wet again. Both cops yeah. in that spot. 
they both got their boots wet and they were pissed. They were were pissed, dude. I was like, I'll give you a ride back. He's like, all right. You have an extra life jacket? I was like, yep. Did not. (laughs) Yeah, it's in the boat. It's in the boat. boat. Yeah. Yeah. You're good. You're good. No, so it is possible. Geese in the timber. Well, yeah, but like what you're talking about is not the same thing as what we did today, of course. I mean, like there's there's Canada geese. There's a lot of geese (laughs) in Minnesota and they will come into ponds. And like the timber you're talking about is like there's like some little areas of trees, but mostly it's still like a lake. And like there's right. op- big open water and you're in trees, but it's yeah, a I was lake. Hi- like I was hiding against the trees, but the birds have to navigate around trees to get yeah. to where I'm at. So Working that to me was timber. Yeah, That's Minnesota timber, dude. <laughs> fake timber. Yeah, it's fake timber. Uh, for sure. Much not, more not reminiscent green. of the place we hunted the first day with you, Logan. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty close. Yeah. Pretty close. The uh, hunting story that's really special to me is my first solo bird hunt. It was down in Louisiana. Uh, I hadn't, I, I think, I, yeah, I'd definitely gone duck hunting with like family members and mentors before, whatever. But uh, this was a dove hunt. My dad put me in this ditch in Louisiana and pushed down some grass and said, that's your shooting lane. You can only shoot anything that is in front of you in between those blades of grass. And I had, or where the, where the grass had been beat down. And I had the biggest time just sitting there all day long, pump Mossberg 500. I had my snacks and stuff. I just sat in that ditch. I actually had my game boy (laughs) playing Pokemon. Yes. Hell yeah. Yeah. And I'd just sit there, you know, birds come by. I'd I'd get bored with Pokemon. I was out there all day long. And uh, that was like, man, I really love this. That is a that's a really like I can picture that in my head. You can very vividly, vividly you can vividly remember playing vividly. Pokemon. That was your first time, first hunting time hunting alone. So yeah, but hunting by myself. What, uh, what is it about that that's just like so? Because like you grew up uh, hunting with your family members, mm-hmm. as did I, and I remember my first time going up by myself and shooting like four ducks. Yeah. And I was just over the moon. Yeah. Dude. Where it's like, I can finally do it by myself. I don't need you. Yeah. You old man. <laughs> I can do it by myself. Yeah. Look at me. I got this. I got this. I got you this. you can just get out of here. Give me all your shit, you know, because I don't have any of my own shit, but yeah. get out of here, you know. <laughs> my first time deer hunting by myself, I about died. I, uh, dad dropped me off on the four-wheeler and said, you remember your light, right? I was like, oh, Yeah. No. No. <laughs> so I stumbled my way through the woods, find the stand, and uh, I, I had no idea where I was, and I turned around, and it was like, oh, there's a ladder. That's it. So it was uh, just a ladder stand, climb up it, get settled in. I'm pretty young. I mean, I know people use just 12 as an age to throw out there, but mm-hmm. I, I was like 12 years old. I am 12. I am 12. Yeah, I was 12. And <laughs> that impediment. The best part is you have no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> that was the best, what, like from Benchwarmers. You sound. Oh, you do know <laughs> it. Yeah, no, dude, Fuck you sound. Yes. You sound exactly like uh, in Twenty One Jump Street. I'm when Jeff. who is <laughs> I? My name is Jeff. I'm not gonna get into the conversation that Joe had yesterday because it's. Oh, wildly no. inappropriate. But my, me and my experience with the Spanish language is. Good. Marred at best. <laughs> Marred. Marred. Uh, so you're in the stand. I'm in the stand. 
And you are 12. I am 12. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm keeping my cool, but it's waking up or waking up with the woods. You hear some weird stuff. Yep. And at a young age, small things sound huge. Yep. Small things sound loud. And you thought you were seeing the Bayou monster. No, I was, I was sitting in this tree and then all of a sudden the world came crashing down around me. I mean, loudest sound ever wind like it felt like the earth was opening up and i just froze up and sat there in the stand and finally it got light and i'm seeing like shapes you know on the forest floor and everything and finally it gets light enough this pine tree beside me fell holy shit and like fell right beside i felt the wind from the branches or the tree trunk coming down and yeah, that's fucking crazy. How close me. to you? Just right. Like I, I, I could have reached the wind, bro. I could have reached out of the pine tree falling. <laughs> I could have reached out and touched it on the way down. Oh my! If God. not, like and you I, didn't I, notice that it was a tree falling. At the end, it was the dark. Wow. Yeah, it was still. I guess I left that out. Yeah, it was still dark. I couldn't see anything yet. That's fucking crazy. Yeah, a big pine tree. Big pine tree. Big. Like if it had hit your tree, you'd have been in bad shape. Oh yeah, if it had hit. The stand, I'd have been dead. No question about it. Oh, my gosh. Like, couldn't wrap your... It was dead, obviously. Did that uh, Did that experience mar you from wanting to, like, go out and do the... You like that? Just loves the word mar. I've got at least two lights I, on he me. He said it first. That's why I said it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Never, Were you like, oh, shit, I'm 12. Never forget I sh- your life. I'm 12. I shouldn't do this anymore. <laughs> I am 12. <laughs> I am 12. I shouldn't go out there. I uh, I made it through that one. Yeah. Did you shoot a deer that day? Uh, no, no, did not. Cool. You bring your you bring your Game Boy. I don't remember. No, because no, because at that, I don't think I had a Game Boy that the back screen lit up at that point. Dude, that was so key when they came out with that. Yeah. It was a game changer. Game Boy SP. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Midwest Flyways podcast. Be sure to leave us a review or a rating on Apple and Spotify and go to MidwestFlyways.com slash shop for all your latest Midwest Flyways merchandise. Yeah. Um, I vividly remember my first deer hunt without my dad right next to me and we were on our property and he's like, I'm going to go in this stand. You're going to go in this stand. I was like, okay. And so he walks me to my stand and... I go, where's the stand? He goes, it's right here. I was like, that's a hole in the ground. He goes, yeah, I dug it yesterday. <laughs> I go, going, going Viet Cong on these Dude, dudes. I was Just going straight warfare. foxhole on these <laughs> bastards. And I borrowed uh, an iPod something. It was the, the first iPod that you could watch a movie on. Mm. Oh, yeah, the original iPod. I don't know. It was like the they it was had, a big one. Yeah, it was I didn't one. have an iPod. I yeah, had the iPod. Remember the clip-on iPod mm-hmm. shuffle, the little baby shuffle mm-hmm. one. Oh yeah. All right, continue. No, I, I borrowed this iPod from Tanner Brothen, and he's like, "Yeah, man, I got Tokyo Drift too, or like Fast and Furious two Tokyo Drift." And I was like, but, "Oh, I can't wait to watch this movie." And within ten minutes of this movie, I passed out, and my dad comes and grabs me at like three in the afternoon. And he goes, "Why didn't you shoot that ten pointer?" I go, what 10-pointer? He goes, did you fall asleep? Because <laughs> you can't focus for 20 minutes? It was like 20 minutes after sunlight. 
you have headphones in? Yeah, I had headphones in. I had the whole shooting match. Dude, <laughs> what done. the fuck? You're like, done. But however, when I was a kid, dude, I could just sit through a duck hunt the entire day. Mm. Just straight focus. Mm. No problems. Yeah. Dude. Deer hunting, man. I'm, I'm pretty sure, by the way, Logan was going to correct your chronological order of Fast and the Furious, but he didn't. He caught himself. He was like, ah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> what is there? Is it when was Tokyo Drift? Number three. Number three. Number three. Oh, whatever. <laughs> that was one off. I totally knew. He, he was like, well, I... <laughs> then you just kept talking. Dude, I was like <laughs> 14. Yeah. Oh, man. I just like calling Joey out. Uh, oh, yeah. Because I got him on the Pokemon thing. And now. Yep. Yep. yep, yep. Whatever, dude. That's all right, dude. You're right. Uh, Logan, if you were going to give advice to a kid that wanted to start hunting, what would it be, man? Like, what, if, what do you feel like is the most important thing for someone that's young to know? We're still here, by the way, in case anyone's wondering. We can edit oh, that. Oh, you're going to kidding. We'll, we'll edit all this out. Ah, most important thing. Because it's like you have what you can only give one piece of advice. There's a lot you want to give. I would say to any new hunter, understand what it means to other people, um, where they're at in their journey hunting, whether they have a newfound passion or longstanding passion have conversations with the people around you, whoever that may be. And I realize not everybody grows up with mentors like I've had, and I'm really lucky to have those mentors, Definitely, but just having conversations about it and understanding different people's point of view, you know, uh, and there's no, mostly there's no wrong answers. I mean, everybody has their own way of doing things, but any kind of any, and try not to get sucked into any polarization in hunting. You know, I do this, they do that. They don't know what they're talking about. No, it's it, it should be a conversation, not an argument. And whether you're talking about gear, whether you're talking about your the methodology, the way you do what you do, or even just where you hunt, um, just have m- more conversations and discussions and less arguments. And I think for new hunters, it's really important to start those conversations with the people in your life that do hunt. And like I said, not everybody's lucky enough to grow up with mentors in the woods. Right. Like many of us have, and I'm forever thankful for that. Um, that that would be my advice is to reach out to people and start a discussion and understand that there's no stupid questions. Yeah. Because you would rather find out from a conversation with somebody that you can trust as opposed to finding out the hard way on your own. And some things you are going to find out the hard way and on your own. And that's okay too. You'll never forget those. But uh, yeah, that would be, that would be my advice. It's a great piece of advice. It is. I would say my, it's actually one most people don't give. Well, I'm going to build off of yours and just say like, cherish it. Oh dude. Like, yeah. Like I've realized so much more after I stopped hunting with my dad, how much I miss mm. hunting with my dad. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, my dad's a, a dank and kind of an asshole sometimes and has a different way of doing things. But like, dude, like I, the one person I always want to bring on a hunt is my dad. Mm-hmm. You know, like I just want him to experience what I'm experiencing. Yeah. Like every time. So like when you get the chance to go with people who know more than you and have been doing it longer just like know what you have yeah because and my dad's not dead <laughs> you know i'm talking like my dad's dead but 
Um, I just wish he just I, doesn't like to hunt that. He doesn't he hunt just, that much anymore. He doesn't yeah. hunt as much anymore. He's and so I just, I wish when I was, and I don't get me wrong. I had so much fucking fun hunting with my dad when I was a kid. And like, it was like such a reverence mm-hmm. when I was hunting with my dad, but I just wish I would have taken it less for granted. Yeah. You know, than I do now. It's hard when you're young though. Cause you just it don't is. realize like, you don't know the yeah. magnitude of the situations you're in. Um, but at the same time, it's good advice to give, but I think it's like almost one of those things you just can't really learn until you learn it. You well, know? and also like if you think about it, when you hunt with your family, you're seeing them in a completely different light than you ever do in any other like type of way. That's a good point. So like hunting, it's like, oh, we're hunting, so like this is okay. Oh, we're at hunt camp, so this is okay. You know, you kind of like see those people in a different light versus like at home. Like, mm-hmm. they are the provider. They are your yeah. father, yeah. you know? Whereas, like, hunting, they just want to kill something. They're in their element. You know? They're, yeah. they're, like, that's, like, as close to them as a real person without being their kid as you can get. Yeah. Authentic self. Yeah. I And to go further into that, cherishing the time you have, whether it be with loved ones or whomever, but cherishing the time when you have time. And I think all of us are feeling that. Where at a younger age you have a, a shitload, <laughs> way more time. <laughs> yeah. Guys that are listening to this in their early twenties, which to be fair, like I'm, I, I know I'm sitting here saying this after I've spent the entire season duck hunting in Arkansas, but uh, I did going back to the lessons that my dad taught me and prioritizing the things that you care about and value. And right now in my life that is hunting, and I've been lucky enough to make some decisions to that allow me to do that. And maintain the income that I need to maintain, which is very low overhead, by the way. <laughs> Not married, no no kids or anything. So <laughs> those are life decisions you make on right. your own and at the right time. Or for you, whatever. Yeah, yeah. The uh, <laughs> But just having appreciation for the time that you do have to hunt when you have it, whether that's with family and mentors or one of my... Uh, just, in the much in a similar way that your dad's more into fishing now, my dad's really into deer hunting. Always has been. Uh, he was more into duck hunting when I was young, but right. now he does deer hunting and I do waterfowl mostly. And when I was fifth or sixth grade, uh, uh, so, yeah. Anyways, around there, uh, my dad pulls up to the house uh, with two deer in the back of his truck, and I was like, "Oh, you got." two deer you know he said yeah shot them both with the same shot i was like whoa and went to school told my friends my dad shot two deer with one bullet all my friends were like how bullshit you know you're always lying and all this and uh we you know went on with life and then i was in from college deer hunting out of a ground blind and uh i had two doe feeding on this pile of rice bran one was looking up while the other was eating and I thought, if I sneak out of this blind, get on the ground, prop up my rifle on a log. Line them up. Line them up. <laughs> Bet I can get two of them. So I do that. I roll out of the blind and squeeze the trigger, drop both of them. Call dad. I said, hey. Or dad calls me. He heard the shot. And uh, he comes over and says, uh, where'd the other one come from? I didn't. You, sh- you shot again? I said, nope. Got both of them with the same shot. He said, really? I said, yeah, just like you did. Said, what are you talking about? I was like, <laughs> You know, as a kid, I did a shot. He said, oh, no, those are two separate shots. <laughs> I 
it's like, oh, damn. <laughs> but if you he still did if, do it, if he hadn't, if he hadn't told, if he hadn't told me that all those years ago, I never would have tried it. Yeah, because I wouldn't have thought it was possible. That's epic. That's Damn, cool. so you completed the legacy. I completed the circle. Yep, Holy shit. Circle. That's, That's so cool. awesome. Real quick before we go. Same thing happened at our camp at the cabin. We had a hunting property out there. You've never been there. And uh, we had this this blind called the Taj Mahal. It was like 35 feet in the air. It was just like on stilts. Yep. I mean, it was just like the most janky looking deer blind you've ever seen. The only advantage you like had. Like a fire tower? Yeah, literally. It was just... Literally, it was 35 feet in the air. And this guy fell asleep in the blind, woke up, and there was a a buck fucking a doe directly underneath the blind. So he takes his arrow and shoots the buck. It was like a nice buck. No. Kills both of them. No. They both fall over. And he said when he was cleaning the deer that the dick was still inside of the doe. <laughs> Like, dude, wait. I'm like eight years old, and I'm like, no. And then my dad told me years later, he's like, that's not true. Yeah, I was gonna say, I, I don't believe this. Did he clean the deer, like, locked up? No, the, they, yeah. they were not locked up. The buck jumped off the doe yeah. and whatever, but he, he just saw my eyes like, you killed two with one shot? He goes, yep, dick was still inside her. <laughs> like, so oh fucked my up. God. I had a lot of questions. I did, but yeah. No, but he did shoot two with one arrow. Yeah. Pretty wild. That I've never crazy. heard of anyone killing a uh, killing with a buck. Oh, so it did happen. Yeah, no, he killed, oh, he killed him with one Yeah, he so was not still fucking did it. it. Through the, did it go through? Yeah, because how do you straight down? Straight down, yeah. So like went through the deer's heart and the. I don't know where he killed him, but yeah, no, it went through both deer with an arrow. I still feel like I have to see it to believe yeah, that one. You need to draw me because because the way the shot was. It would it's like almost impossible. At that point, like, it would but. make more sense if he shot it mounted. Oh yeah, no, he was having sex with her. Oh, but he said when he was cleaning it that uh, he was still that's inside the part of her. That was, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So probably through the heart of the deer and then the lung, the heart of the buck and the lungs, something like that. Yeah, that's, that's so another lesson. I was to super young, young. chasing women. You'll get that heart broke. <laughs> Hell yeah. It's Unreal. Funny. Logan's and on crying. that note, Logan's crying actually. It's pretty wild. Dude. Dick was still inside. It probably was though. I suppose. We need to uh, do a uh, a brand of cider. Uh Dick Insider. Dixon. Dixon cider. Dixon cider. It's fucking genius, bro. Wow. That's the strip in Fayetteville. The oh, yeah. strip of bars, Dixon Street. Dixon Street, Dixon Cider. Well, they need to make that. Shout out to uh, Miss Deborah at Homegirls for taking care of us. Hell yeah. Dude, that food was so good last night. Dude, if you find Homegirls in, stop in, get a load of baked potato. That is not a baked potato, dude. That is a potato patch. It's a plate of baked potatoes. That's a potato patch. Potato palette. Yeah, potato patch. Potato patch. Yeah, I like that. Logan, thanks for coming on, man. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. Dude, and thanks for having us, dude. We had a blast. It was probably the only way we could have ended this trip think otherwise we would have just had to drive home yep exactly <laughs> that's what you would have done yeah that is what you do at the end of a trip yeah guys if you want to go find new or vintage camo go check out camoretro.com they or also have an instagram own. or sell your own stuff i'm about to sell yeah. off rob shit if i don't keep it all for myself yeah. or so. yeah raid your uncle your dad's stuff that they just absolutely don't need anymore and put it up for sale someone wants it 
Oh, you don't like that? Now, now enjoy this music at the We're end. We're going for the longest outro ever. Yeah, we are. We love y'all. Thank you. Leave hey, us a hey. review. Uh, Logan, one more thing, dude. 